copy of God's Word, and if you do not have one, our ushers, if you want to slip up your hand, can bring you one. If you'd like to turn to the Gospel according to Luke, we will be in chapters 1, well, chapter 1, verses 26 through 38. We are continuing our journey through the Gospel of According to Luke. What I'd like to do is read this passage, pray over this passage, and then explain this passage. Starting in verse 26. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid. Mary, for you have found favor with God, and behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end." And Mary said to the angel, How will this be since I'm a virgin? And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her, who was called barren, for nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Let's pray. Father, please allow us to understand your word. Allow us to see what it has for us, but most importantly, let us not take it out of context, manipulating it to what we want it to mean. Father, I pray for our believers, my brothers and sisters in here this morning who need encouragement, who need to be edified or maybe rebuked. Or convicted, would you allow the Holy Spirit to work with in their hearts? And for those that don't believe, that are not Christians, that are not called sons and daughters, would you reveal yourself to them this morning, showing them their need for a Savior? Would you bless this time? Would you 
allow us to experience you through your word. I pray this in your son Jesus' name. Amen. What Luke is writing here is another detailed account about a conception that has taken place. However, one of the things that Luke is also doing here is contrasting. He's comparing and contrasting. Last week we saw the announcement of John the Baptist's birth. The angel Gabriel went to Zechariah and told him, you and your wife will conceive a child. Well, Zechariah and Elizabeth were advanced in years. And so we see this miracle taking place. We also see that the angel Gabriel acknowledges and says, your son, Zechariah and Elizabeth, will be great among the Lord. And so now what we see Luke doing is marking down the foretelling of our Savior's conception. This Savior, this this boy, would not only be great, but he would be called the Son of the Most High. The Son of the Most High. Not only would he be called the Son of the Most High, but he would be born from a virgin. And so what Luke is doing here is drawing our attention to how much greater this child will be. There was a man who in his old age started to reflect on all of the ways God had used him. He thought to himself, what a blessing it has been to be used by God in such extraordinary ways. I did not deserve to be used in this way. And as he continued to reflect, in fact, he started to get a little more confused. Why in the world would God use me? I was orphaned as a child. I have an anger problem, so much so that that anger problem actually led me to kill a man. I ran away from home because I just couldn't face my problems, yet God still chose to use me? I just don't understand it. Most of us may know this man. Moses. However, if I were to take a poll in this room, I believe I would get a few, three specifically, answers to the question, can God or should God use me? I think the first one that I may get is God could could never use me. I have too much of a past for God to use me. The second one I may get is, of course God should use me. I'm a super Christian. And the third one, I don't need God. I am the captain of my soul. 
and my fate. And so, what Luke, inspired by the Holy Spirit, wrote down is that God works through the least likely so that his plan would be accomplished. Luke is plainly showing us in this passage this morning that God works through his creation. He did it 2,000 years ago and he still does it today. What Luke will show us is that God chooses, uses, and induces the least likely to accomplish his plan. And so we come to verses 26 and 27 and we see that God chooses the least likely so that his plan would be accomplished. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And so you could be thinking right now, well, what do, you, what do you mean God chooses the least likely? Well, let's look at these first two verses a little deeper. God sends the messenger. The passage tells us that the angel Gabriel was sent from God to Galilee, specifically Nazareth. For what? To give a message to a virgin woman. One saying that always bugged me in college whenever I would ask people how the Lord had saved them was when they would start off their testimony with saying, I found God. It's always a puzzling statement to me. Was God lost? Was he, was he playing hide and seek? See, Paul writes to the church in Ephesus saying, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. God is not lost, nor has he ever been lost. I'm lost. We're lost. How does the old hymn go? I once was lost, but now am found. Was blind, but now I see. God sends the messenger, and what happens next is the messenger goes to the most unlikely person. This is the amazing truth about the gospel is that it goes to the most unlikely people. God sends the angel Gabriel to a virgin woman named Mary. She was in the process to become married to a carpenter. And Mary, Mary was from the town of Nazareth. Do you know what they said about those people from Nazareth? Nathaniel said to Philip, can anything good come from Nazareth? 
They didn't just say that about Jesus. There was this cultural stigma about Nazareth. Nazareth during that time was not a culturally savvy place. It was a blue collar little town. Growing up, we used to say this about our rival city, Menominee. Can anything good come from those guys? In fact, I've heard a couple of you say that about Greenville. (laughs) God sent, God sent the angel Gabriel to this little unknown town in the middle of nowhere to a young virgin woman who was about to be married to a carpenter named Joseph. Did Mary deserve this great miracle to come to her? Did she do anything special? Did she do anything in particular to win the favor over? Did she muster up enough good works in order to find that favor with God? No, by the nicest way that I can possibly put this, Mary was just an ordinary Jewish nobody. That's who Mary was. She was an ordinary Jewish nobody. She she did not have beauty. She she didn't have a good financial job. She, She didn't have clever wit or she was not educated. God didn't come to her and send Gabriel to her because of who she knew. He came to her because it was his will to send the angel to her at least with with Zechariah and Elizabeth, we could make this argument that because they were blameless in the sight of the Lord, that maybe that's why the Lord sent the angel Gabriel to them. But, But with Mary, we're given nothing. It just says that God sent the angel Gabriel. It was pure grace, pure and utter grace that God sent the angel Gabriel to Mary. This is why adoption is such a great gospel illustration. And this is why I think Paul uses this illustration over and over again in his letters to the people he is writing to. It is is Sharice and I's hope one day that that we could adopt. And because of that, we've, we've gotten to have conversations with with some friends of ours from the previous church we came to who have adopted two children from India. And during those conversations, it's just, it's amazing to see the comparison here. As they've told us, okay, once you find an agency, usually you, you, you pick a... Uh, uh, a child on the website. And that child has no clue that you've chosen them. But yet they've told us it's it's this amazing thing where when you look at that child and you say that child is mine, there's this love that just comes. For no other reason than just simply loving them. 
They have no clue. They have no clue that there is a person who is going to go and take them from the muck and mire that they live in and say, you're mine now. It's nothing that this child has done other than just pure and utter love towards them. This is the gospel. We haven't done anything to impress God. In fact, what scripture tells us is that we all fall short of the glory of God, which means that on a scale of one to ten of how awesome I am and how much favor I can earn with God apart from Christ is a negative bajillion. We can't live up to the standards to save ourselves. We can't impress God by putting on our best selves. We can't do it. Oh, but brothers and sisters, God would send his son to be born of a virgin, to live a perfect life, life according to the law, to die for our sins, taking the wrath and judgment that we deserve because of our sins. He he died three days, or he died and three days later rose from the grave and ascended and is now sitting at the right hand of the Father. And for all those that confess their sins and believe in his righteous work can have everlasting life, can have that adoption as a son or daughter. Do you believe this? Are you in here and tired? Are you weary in need of rest? Jesus says that he can give it to you. And this is why, this is why in this lifetime we should never stick our chests out thinking, yeah, of course God chose me to use me. Why wouldn't he look at me? Look at that person. Uh, Yeah, of course I'm in the situation I am. That's why we should never walk with our chest out, but yet we should never hang our head thinking, oh, he could never save me. I've done too much bad things in my life. I'm just too far away from his love and mercy. We should never walk with our chests sticking out or hanging our heads down low. God chooses the least likely to accomplish his plan. And so what you may be thinking now is, is great. Well, then that means that I don't have to do anything. I just sit back and enjoy this life. Well, I'm just going to point out right away that's wrong. And if that's what you think, then you need to ask yourself, if your life matches with what the word of God teaches, it is a scary and dangerous thing to say, I believe that Jesus rose from the grave yet never obeying his word. And so what we see in verses 28 through 33 is that God uses the least likely so that his plan will be accomplished. It says that, and he came to her and said, greetings, O favored one. The Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of things this might be. 
And the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. And he will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father, David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom, there will be no end. It is an exhilarating yet scary thing to be used by the Lord. Right away, we see Mary's response to the angel. She's greatly troubled. She's trying to discern and make sense of this greeting. Why would this angel be sent to me? I mean, it's not every day that an angel is sent. But does this angel know who I am? I'm just, I'm just Mary. I'm just plain, ordinary Mary who's about to be married to a carpenter. And similar thoughts may race through our minds as well. Why did God choose me? Why did he reveal himself to me? And And save me. Doesn't he know who I am? I'm just Max. I'm just plain, ordinary Max. The same kid who in fourth grade brought complete F's to his parents. The same kid who that same year was tested for learning disabilities. And passed the one test that normally you don't want to pass. Just plain ordinary Max. But what we see next is truly incredible about this passage. God has a plan. God has a plan and will use the most unlikely to fulfill his plan. The angel tells Mary that she has found favor with God and that God would use her to send his son. The Son of God would be born of Mary. The Son of God would be born from Mary. Mary, this offspring that you are about to give birth to, is the Son of the Most High, and He will be used to establish my kingdom forever. He will be used to establish my throne forever. Yes, Mary, you are going to be used by God. You have found favor with him. Why? Because he's God and he decided. This great triumph will be fulfilled through you by giving birth to my son, the great fulfillment that I gave to your people thousands of years before, I will use you, Mary. So you may think you are just ordinary Mary. And let me tell you, Mary, you are. You are ordinary Mary. 
but you have found favor with God because he's God. And he is going to use you. Susie Spurgeon was the wife of Charles Spurgeon. I briefly mentioned that man last week. And for a while, Susie struggled with trying to figure out how she could be used by God. Her husband was preaching to literally thousands throughout the week. He was writing letters by an- and answering questions. And with a husband like that, you, could, you might come to the conclusion, well, how could God possibly use me? Well, God had a plan for Susie. See, God used Susie to establish a fund called the Book Fund. She would send books to pastors who lived in rural areas who were not able to be paid. These pastors would work every single day And then on Sundays, get up and preach and throughout the week take care of the church while also fulfilling duties as an employee somewhere else. And so what she would do is she would actually send books to these poor pastors so they could continue their education. See, God had a plan for Susie. And he has a plan for you. Ah, you may say, well, what do you mean? He has a plan for me. See, God has a plan for all of us to walk in good works. Ephesians 2.10 is this very truth. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand, that we should walk in them. Let me ask this question. Do you think it was by chance that Mary lived in Nazareth? Do you think it was by chance that Mary was betrothed to Joseph, do you think it was by chance that Mary was a virgin and God just couldn't find anyone else for the job and he was kind of looking around and, uh, I, yeah, no, I guess I got to go with ordinary Mary. Now, let me ask you this question. Do you think it's by chance that God has you working where you work? Do you think it's by chance that God has you working with whom you're working with? Do you think it's by chance that God has you living next to those neighbors that you're living next to? Do you think it's by chance that you have the family members that you have? Do you really think it's by chance that you're here this morning? There was a divine appointment set out before the foundations of the world for this morning. And so what we have to say to all of those questions is that it's not a chance. God has prepared good works for us to walk in beforehand. 
But what are those good works? We're to serve our neighbors. We're to take care of the cultural outcasts, not expecting anything in return. We're to make disciples, evangelize to the nations, hoping that the glory of God is revealed to them. God uses the least likely to accomplish his plan. Brothers and sisters, lest we are in an arrogant congregation, we are the least likely. And that is why we must take this good news and serve the least likely. Ah, but you may say, I'm too old or I'm too young. I'm not educated enough. I'm not smart. I'm an introvert. I just don't like to talk. You know, I talk too much and I stick my foot in my mouth. I don't know what to say. I don't listen well. Well, let's listen to Mary's reply to how she will be used. See, God induces the least likely so that his plan will be accomplished. No, I'm not using that in the labor sense. Induce means to bring about. When a woman is induced, it's to bring about labor. So verses 34 to 38 say, And Mary said to the angel, How will this be since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth is in her old age and will also conceive a son. And this is the sixth month with her who was called barren, for nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed. The helper comes the helper comes to Mary Mary confused asks how how, how will how will this be since I am a virgin Gabriel tells Mary the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the most high will overshadow you This is an incredible miracle right here. A virgin will give birth to a child, which has never been done in the history of time except for this one time. He would overshadow any logic or natural way. And so maybe you are thinking right now, this is exactly why I don't believe in Christianity. Is this fairy tale right here? A virgin giving birth? This is unbelievable. And what I would say to that is yes, it is unbelievable unless you have been born again. This is a miracle that 
the God of the universe would pass through one of his creation being born of a virgin. And so what I would like to ask to that question that I just raised is if God can create everything, if he did create everything, then why would it be hard for him to tell a virgin, you're going to conceive a child. Oh, what a shallow view of God we have. And as we continue, what we see next is incredible. As Gabriel assures Mary, Gabriel tells Mary, your relative, Elizabeth, She's also going to conceive a child, and she is six months along. I love little truths like that within Scripture. Why in the world would it be so specific? Mary, your relative, Elizabeth, she's going to conceive a son. She's six months along. And so, what Gabriel is doing here is assuring Mary. Mary, you're not hallucinating. This is a reality. When you go and visit your cousin or or relative, which we'll see next week, you will find out that she is also with a son, the one who is old in age, the one who you are gossiping about, asking why in the world hasn't God blessed her with a child? She is going to conceive a son as well. And so if you do not believe my words, if you do not believe my words, when you go and see Elizabeth, you will see that she is going to conceive a child. Mary, you can be assured that this great miracle is going to happen. Do you know what's interesting about this response that Mary gives to the angel? Mary says, In verse 38, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. Wow. Right before Haddon was born, I told Sharice that I would would put the car seat base in. And Sharice already knows this. Uh, And so how how car seats work now is you've got the car seat and you've got the car base. And that's so that you don't have to continue to just put the car seat in and then strap the seatbelt over that. But you actually strap the base in. You put the car seat on top of the base and it just clicks in. It's super convenient and super easy. And so I told Sharice... I would do it. I've got it under control. I don't need help. This should be easy. It actually is pretty easy. (laughs) Well, I had gotten it all strapped in, and then I realized I I kind of messed this up. And so I unbuckled the seatbelt, and as I unbuckled the seatbelt, I heard the seatbelt go click, 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 And it started to lock. Well, now the car seat is locked in between the seat and the seatbelt. 
And I'm sitting in here trying to pull it out. I needed help. Our neighbor next door actually came outside as I was sitting in our black leather car when it was super hot out. I'm sitting here dripping sweat. I've been out there for two hours now. (laughs) And our neighbor comes up and starts to talk to me. I needed help. But I said I didn't need any. (laughs) Then Cherise, noticing that I'm now gone for quite a while, comes outside. And at this point, I'm so frustrated and aggravated that when Sharice comes out, I take that out on her. She says, do you need help? And I said, I don't need help. You can go inside. I've got this figured out. I needed help. Oh, brothers and sisters, I wonder if you have asked similar question as Mary. How can you use me? Don't you know my past? How can you use me? Aren't I too old now? How can you use me? I'm too young. I'm, I'm just a child. I'm just a child in middle school. How can you use me? I don't know the Bible enough. But Jesus gave us this great truth. He says to his disciples in John, I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. Brothers and sisters, we need help. And God has sent us that help. He's sent us the Holy Spirit. This is how we can be used by God is by the Holy Spirit. See, like Mary, we may come to him and say, how? But what he says back to us is, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. We have been given the great helper. In times of temptation... We have that help. When you don't know what to say, you've been given that help. When you keep on forgetting and forgetting this glorious news, we've been given the help to remember. We have been given the helper to take care of the sick the orphans, the widows, the spiritual outcasts. And so like Mary, we now 
serve the Lord according to his words. God induces the least likely with the Holy Spirit to accomplish his plan. Because I'll tell you what, God is not going to trust me apart from his Holy Spirit to carry out his plan. I'm going to screw it up. So are you. But because God has chosen us, because God uses us, and because God has induced us with the Holy Spirit, we now are used to accomplish his plans. What we have seen in this passage is this great truth and an even greater miracle that the Son of God would be born of a virgin. God sends the angel Gabriel to just an ordinary Jewish woman. God has sent somebody ordinary to you to proclaim the good news. God has used that person and now wants to use you. And he has equipped you with the Holy Spirit. I love this saying of the pastors of the church that we came from. What God has done in you, he wants to do through you. So it is with us, brothers and sisters. And so it is with us. Let us lock arms together, fulfilling our calling to serve the Lord, to fulfill our calling to obey his commandments. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you sent your son Jesus to be born of a virgin, a miraculous birth that's quite unbelievable, but we thank you that you have given us your helper to believe in this great miracle. And so what I want to ask right now is that you would stir the hearts of the people in here, every single one, to see this great truth, to see the need for this, to see the need for repentance and faith, to see the need to remember this glorious truth. God, would you use this as an encouragement that because you have chosen us, you are going to use us and we don't have to do it by ourselves because you have put your spirit inside of us. And now we get to join arms with you, our most high king. I pray this in your son Jesus' name, pleading that the word of God would take root in our hearts. Amen.